Hello, and welcome to Girls Gone Canon Reads A Song of Ice and Fire, episode 206, Aria 9 in A Clash of Kings, featuring B Word. I am one of your hosts, Chloe. And I am another one of your hosts, Eliana. And yes, this week we are joined by the elusive B Word, aka Beth. Depending on how we feel this episode, she's a woman of many names, you know, just like just like our girl Arya here. Thanks for having me, guys. We're so excited to have you here. Thank you for putting up, I mean, recording with us this <laughs> evening. Oh my God, it's like Statler and Waldorf for like Ernie and Bert is really what's happening here. Uh, I, I view us like Ernie and Bert, but okay. I don't know which is which. We can figure that out through the episode. I think you're Bert. <laughs> the shock. The show. Okay. Wow. Uh, <laughs> glossing over all that, we're so excited to have you on. B Word has a wonderful, wonderful podcast. Beth has a podcast, mm-hmm. Kiss by Fire, where she and her co host, Steph, are talking about a song of ice and fire. And it's really exciting because it's not necessarily pure, like, you know, like what we do where we're reading a chapter and like pulling every line and going through it. It's actually very fun. You guys have a lot of fun. And I really respect any other podcast that can go for three and a half hours talking about like Raina Targaryen. <laughs> it, it, I'm with good yes. people today is what I'm saying. Yes, we do love Raina. <laughs> we're, we're covering uh, Fire and Blood right now. We are just into the reign of Jaehaerys now. So chapter by chapter. Yeah. 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 I think it's cool because I haven't seen like many people also just going through fire and blood. And I think it's kind of a it's kind of a necessary thing, right? There's so much to dive into and having that sort of guide. It's fun. Is very it's very it's so I like it. Maybe right now, maybe it's just because it's new more than the main series. But yeah, I don't think a lot of people really did. I think when it came out, a lot of people were mid project. And so people did brushovers of it and like they, they glossed through the book and it was consume it fast and get it out there. And so Steph and I are sort of doing the opposite and we're really going through it really slowly. Fine tooth combing, probably annoying to some people, but we we pick it apart. and We have a lot of fun with it. And Steph loves Targaryens, So that's fun, too. Yeah, and hates the bitchy maesters. And hates the bitchy Fucking hates those maesters. Yes. <laughs> I was dying. You two are funny. <laughs> you can find this podcast at a lot of places actually now. I know it's on a bunch of different host sites now, but we will link below the RSS feed where you can listen directly mm-hmm. before you listen on your favorite streaming device. Tell us, you know, what what's coming next. Uh, do you have any big ideas other than Fire and Blood? I know you guys have started doing a couple little bonus things here and there. We do bonus things for Patreons. We just talked a little bit about Dunkin' Egg and the Patreons, just because obviously that's new and we'll do that. I don't know what we'll do next because we're still so early in Fire and Blood. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of want to do Dunkin' Egg, of course. We're, I feel like we're kind of working chronologically instead of starting, depending on, like, not in release order, but yeah, you know time. Yeah, yeah. You got it. So, time. yeah, so we're starting with the prequel stuff. So I think probably Dunkin' Egg will be after this, but it'll be a long ways away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Keep reading, as George R. R. Martin would say. Yeah. Keep reading or keep listening yeah. in this scenario. And you guys just started a Threadless store, actually. I have my eyeball on a tote in that store for all of my books and things. Amazing. Uh, but that's so exciting. Or a coffee mug. You guys could go on Threadless to kissedbyfire.threadless.com and you could snag a coffee mug with both Beth and Steph on it. And the and amazing Sanrixian work that she yeah. she labored over for us. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She's the best. She's the best. She's the best. A fellow Arya sister. A fellow kissed by fire, too. She's Yeah. <laughs> love her. Well, a little bit of housekeeping for us before we dive into more of A Song of Ice and Fire with Beth. This past month, 
patrons in the Stranger Tier and above, $5 and up, had access to a bonus episode we just dropped. I wish you all could see my brand new sunglasses. We just did The House That Went Away. They're bat sunglasses in honor of this episode. The House That Went Away, all about House Went and Heron Hall as well. Lots of fun was had doing that episode. And coming this month, we'll have another bonus episode for patrons in November. Keep your ears and eyes peeled to find out about that. TBA. And of course, something else that's fun that is currently still ongoing is... We also recently released for the end of October as our trick-or-treat episode, a fun little snack. And by that, I mean we covered a little bit of Neil Gaiman. You know, we gave you a king-sized candy bar of an episode with your trick-or-treat with our friend Shiloh Carroll, who many of you may remember from our coverage of the Brienne episodes. Shiloh is a scholar in medievalism, not in medieval studies, which you can learn more about the distinction between the two in the episode where we also have a giveaway. Yes. And what can you win in that giveaway? Well, you can win a signed copy of Shiloh Carroll's new book. The Medieval Worlds of Neil Gaiman. Yeah, you can win yourself a copy. And how can you do that, Aliana? By listening to the episode and following the instructions in the episode. Yeah, those instructions are up top in the episode. So to enter... We will disqualify you if you do not follow them. (laughs) But we will also tell you so you can can correct yourself. Because we are kind benevolent rulers. That giveaway is ending in just two short days if you're listening to this upon public release. This is out on November 3rd for public, a little earlier for patrons in the right tiers. So what do you have to lose? Go listen to that episode, shoot us the proper entry, and hopefully you'll win. That'd be cool. And otherwise, you can just get a copy of the book online and buy it. And that's cool, too. I think that's good. Support Shiloh. Honestly, we had a really good time talking about The Sandman with Shiloh. It was an interesting experience getting to watch those episodes. And I learned a lot about The Sandman from you guys and my roommate and etc. So, (laughs) a lot. A lot. A lot. Lastly, we do have our Discord brunch slash happy hour. As Eliana affectionately calls it, brappy hour. Uh, This month, November. November 2023, we are having it on Sunday, the 19th, 3 p.m. ET. Be there or be square, Thunder Tier patrons in the $10 tier and above. And just a reminder that our episodes are sponsored by our patrons over at patreon.com slash girlsgonecanon. Without them, none of this would be possible. So thank you very much and check it out and join up. Now, speaking of Patreon, this this week, we are doing some emails and tweets of note next, but we wanted to share a Patreon comment that we got from our friend Clara. Do you Go ahead, Eliana. Since you have a new understanding of it, I think you should do it. <laughs> and Clara left a comment on one of our recent episodes that says, Nightmare Blunt Rotation Aswaf, Stannis, Bowen Marsh, and dot dot dot. So it leaves it open to fill in the blank of who should be on the Nightmare Blunt rotation. I have my pick. I think the next name on that Nightmare Blunt rotation would have to be Vargo Hote. I know it's uh, topical, it's relevant, but I mean, Mm-mm. think of the spit. There'd be spit all over that blunt. Oh my god, you're right. I didn't even think about oh, that. Oh, I did. Uh-huh. Juicy. 
Not that I would know. No, I don't want a juicy. I don't want a juicy blood. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. What about you guys? What a uh, Beth, Eliana, what do you think? Who's your nightmare rotational mm. character here? I have to like do a fire and blood poll and be like Rogar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> real. I do not want to. Real. I do not want to spend any time with that man. Yeah. Oh, and you know he would boast mm. about having really good pot too, even though it's probably not that great. Yes. It's probably, yeah. It's probably not. It's probably like lace. Fucking sticks and seeds is all it is. It would just, yeah, it would be bad. It would just be like not even. Oh, no, wait. He grows his own worse. (laughs) (laughs) I guess he could. Yeah, I think mine would be, I don't know, I was thinking either Rorge or Biter, probably, maybe even just Biter, you know, and after you mm-hmm. said the Varga Hote and the saliva thing, I was like, Biters would be interesting, right? Because how would his, like, filed teeth, I guess he doesn't have to, like, chomp it, but what if he does? Yep, yep. he probably would accidentally be chomping on it, and... I don't know. I feel like, though, they could really benefit from it. Maybe chill out. Maybe they, they would, you know, reveal that they have, you know, maybe a calmer <laughs> demeanor come out of them. But I, I was also thinking Ned would be a very nightmare, blunt rotation person, especially in this scenario. Oh, that's interesting. Like, With his anxiety. anxiety yeah. It, 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 and that's mean. <laughs> that's mean to say. But, like, I'm not putting the blunt to his head, okay? I didn't make him smoke. I feel like Ned would go really bleak. Yeah. He'd just stare <laughs> out like, and be like... Yeah. Dark and serious. And you ever think about how nothing really matters? Yes. And Stannis would look at him and be like, everything matters, Ned. <laughs> or it would have if my brother oh, loved me instead of you. <sighs> <laughs> that would be so terrible if everyone was there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, together especially, right? <laughs> like, who together would be bad? That's a... I'm like, and Bowen Marsh is just sour, so... I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Jorah Mormont, not fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jorah Mormont gets inappropriate when high. Oh, wait. He's mm. just always inappropriate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like multiplying by one. Yes. <sighs> My God. Okay, Clara, that was a good one. I'm going to think about this the entire time. The entire time. Mm-hmm. I just think it's so interesting. I haven't like, I don't know. I haven't thought about blunts in a while. Usually it's not part of my rotation. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> I have other I have other means. So I was just like it's been coming a lot in my coming up a lot in my life lately people talking about blunts. So thank you Clara. Thanks for bringing it back. Yeah. All right. Well, it's time to jump into our lightning round into what we missed between Arya 8 and Arya 9 in A Song of Ice and Fire: A Clash of Kings. We'll start off with Catelyn 5. The Silent Sisters bring Ned to River Run. Daenerys 3, led to Karth by a comet, Daenerys seeks alliances. Tyrion 9, King's Landing riots. Davos 2, Melisandre births a shadow. John 5, Corn Halfhand returns to camp and chooses John to go ranging with him. Tyrion 10, pre-war tensions run high for Tyrion. Catelyn 6, they're winning the war, but Catelyn is afraid. Maybe Catelyn could also be on the Nightmare Blunt rotation with that. No, she needs a blunt. (laughs) She needs it, but maybe not with me. Um, Bran, six. Bran hopes to defy Theon's rule over Winterfell. And that leads us into Arya 9, where Arya sees an opportunity to tip the scales as new rulers settle in Harrenhal. We open with, There's ghosts! I know there is! Hot Pie was kneading bread. His arms flowered up to his elbows. Pia saw something in the buttery last night. Arya made a rude noise. 
Pia was always seeing things in the buttery. Usually they were men. Arya, it's not kind of slut shame, first of all. However, this is one of the yeah. funniest fucking passages in all of the Arya chapters. And it, it just reminds me how clever she is. Like, she's very matter of fact. It isn't even like, it's not even like she thinks about it much more. She doesn't really know, need to know more than that. She's like, ugh, Pia's always seeing men there. It's just very funny. Like, shit, shit kids say. Shit kids say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hot Pie channeling Pita in this. <laughs> this arms full of flour. Mm. Arya asks Hot Pie for a tart, but he needs the tray of tarts for Sir Amory. Arya says, well, we should spit on him. And Hot Pie looks around nervously, and he, even though all the cooks and scullions are asleep, and he's like, even if we could, it would be someone else getting whipped for it. Then Arya shouldn't be here, he says, in the black of night, even though it's truly never night in the kitchen. Someone is always working. Hot Pie is worried that Pink Eye, new Weiss, who just dropped, found, if he found out, they'd be in trouble, but he's passed out drunk, so Arya's really not worried. She'd always wait until he's snoring to climb the servant's stair, making darkness her friend like Sirio had taught her. Arya thinks that if she had the moon and stars to see by, that's enough for her uh, in regards to the darkness, and it makes me think of, you know, learning to navigate you know, with ships and stuff, by the stars, which she hasn't learned yet, as far as I know, but she could. Mm. And once upon a time, Chloe's famous for having said that Arya would return to Westeros on a boat, and being able to navigate by the stars is helpful for that. I don't know if she, like, mans the boat or not, but I also think it's interesting, like, this phrasing about the moon it could be also a little bit about having a sense of self too right like how ned says that Arya and sans are like the sun and the moon but more if he says they're as different as the sun and the moon but whatever anyways you know like if if Arya knows who she is if she has a good sense of self she can always find her way back mm. like mulan yeah yes mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't think that was in there but it was to me the flower that blooms in adversity yeah it's the rarest and beautiful, most beautiful of all. She's also so real in that part. Who doesn't want to spit on the tarts of someone who pisses you off? Yeah. <laughs> She's funny. She's rambunctious. It's not just her age. It's just real. I just love her. <laughs> She's petty. Well, she has nothing else to do. She's mad. No. That's yeah. true. She's right. I don't think he would have been able to taste it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's more of a crime against the tart so. in the end, though. And the hot pie is nothing if not an artiste. I want someone to think of the tart. True. Well, someone think of hot pie. <laughs> hot pie thinks of hot pie. Don't worry. <laughs> I was just rereading the next couple chapters, and just let me tell you, don't worry. Hot pie's thinking of hot pie. They begin to talk about escaping, and then a horn goes off, and someone was going like out or in. The gates hadn't been opened since Tywin left, and I don't know this horn stuff, and especially because they're like it's two blasts. It feels reminiscent of the wall, just because I associate those horn blasts with the wall, especially with all this talk of darkness. Obviously, other people use horns for fucking alarms or whatever, but mm-hmm. anyway, Hot Pie would rather stay happy making his bread. Aw. And doesn't want to go see. Arya steals a tart and off she goes. I have to say, now that you mention it, Eliana, this is kind of like with all the horn stuff going on at the wall, right? And John defecting to go to the wildlings soon. Kind of makes me think of that too with searching for the horn. The horn is present. It's very present right now. They just found one a bit mm-hmm. ago. The little cache of them. Mm-hmm. The dragon glass and the horn. Yeah. 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 Something's horny here. Something's horny here. Eating Amory's tart made Arya feel daring, 
barefoot, surefoot, lightfoot, she sang under her breath. I am the ghost in Heron Hall. Mm-mm-mm. Arya's so talented. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Arya was, that was writing songs in Heron Hall at the age of 10. What were you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Truly, Arya's tour. Um, <laughs> the Arya's tour. The Arya's tour. <laughs> I want to steal hot pie starts too. No, they that's, sound so uh, good. That's my insight. I want a pastry mm-hmm. so bad right now. Just a little like Yeah. Yeah. Even like a I mean, sometimes when I'm feeling real low, Dunkin' Donuts does a seasonal croissant with chocolate in it. And oh. it is mm. I don't know. That. I mean, I can get real pastries. I could just walk out and do that too. But something about them is so flaky and warm. I want that. I want that. Yeah. Beth, what is your favorite pastry? Hmm. Well, we don't have Dunkin' Donuts mm-hmm. up here. That's not a, that's oh, not a thing north of the wall. I didn't know that. We have mm-hmm. we have Timmy's. Tim, Tim Tim's. Miss him. Timmy's. Mm-hmm. So from Timmy's, probably I'm so, I'm lame. It's just like an old fashioned plain donut mm. and a tea, and I'm a happy girl. Oh, that's, oh, that's good. comfort. That's, solid. that's comfort though. That's comfort. Yeah. Uh, Do you love a plain donut? I want a little tea hose ham sandwich. Is what I want. It's so good. They're little ham mm-hmm. sandwiches. They are good. I, I love their soup. Good. They have the best soup. Oh, their soup. It's so it's actually so different though here to there. Not that we should Yeah, anyways, it's probably there, is. It's probably way better. Very different, well, yeah. I had them in Michigan, so I was close, <laughs> you know. I'm sure we were inspired, were you know. Yes. I yeah. went there like every day. That was my life. The one in Ohio was like vastly different. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> Ohio's vastly different, let me tell you. Yes. It's a true that. <laughs> it's a place that people true. go through to place. get to other places. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. It is the place. So Arya starts to take a lot of risks this chapter and the next one too. So I think maybe, you know, Jackin helping her has given her a little confidence, a little inspiration. She's no longer really a little mouse. She's making some bold choices and she's starting to do risky things, right? Like even though she knows somebody will get whipped for tarts being missing, she takes one because it's like a little act of defiance of after being kind of locked up and not being able to be herself and not being able to do the things she likes to do. And she's tired of it in these chapters. She wants to affect change. Yeah, she wants this conservatorship over. She's doing naked videos on Instagram. Okay. This is this is Arya's version. Wow. Of This is the free Arya movement. Wow, Arya's going to put out her own book soon. Yes. <laughs> the wow. Ghost in Me. Yes. <laughs> Aw. I do kind of want to read that book. Not Arya's, Britney's. I do. And I do too. Yeah, you can definitely see that throughout throughout this chapter. She's awakening. She's bolder. She's growing bolder. There's a lot of good. She's not a girl, not yet a woman. Stronger than yesterday. Oh my God. (laughs) Exactly. Both of you. Yes, you get it. There's something of that uprise too of Sansa's chapters in the Vale versus Arya at Harrenhal and that beginning of getting confidence and that beginning of like starting to prowess and progress at the things that she does, like fighting and also intrigue, as we're going to see in this chapter and next. She's Her intrigue skill is high. Very high. The horn stirs the rest of the cattle, and Arya watches several ox carts full of plunder enter, as well as men on zorses, and a huge black bear. Stay tuned, that bear comes back later. Silver plate, weapons, shields, flour, hogs, dogs, chickens. Arya's thinking about how long it's been since she had pork. But then she saw the first of the prisoners. She thinks it's a Lannister at first, but then sees his sigil, a silver fist on red. 
His wrists are bound, his ankles tied to the man behind him, and all captives shuffle along wounded. If any halt, they're whipped by a rider. Arya loses count of how many there are by the time she counts to 50. There were at least twice that. Yeah, so I thought this little detail about Arya losing count actually goes to show that she still has room to grow as a spy. I think we kind of are like, wow, Arya's so naturally talented at all of these things, but but she's not, right? Like, a good scout knows exactly how many men or the troops or whatever there are. Even, like, in warfare, yeah, in general. Not just for, yeah, exactly. that's interesting. And this description alone, in that moment, and with, like, the tarts, for example, and these little pieces of things that are like they sustain your life a little right like pork she's like i haven't had pork in so long for wait for a moment i'm like this could be good like this could be good that they brought back pork kind of that slide into complacency of like how working for tywin you know what it's like to work for tywin like maybe suffering is okay when you get these little bits of happiness and frivolity and she has to remind herself as well as hot pie and gendry like just staying for that same evil both ways in this chapter and the next chapter isn't worth it. It's not worth it to have a little pork yeah. when you have no freedom. Yeah, she's like, you guys, I used to have pork way more often. Maybe when I returned, you can have pork a little bit of sometimes, but I can have pork all the time. Yeah, well, and that's the bigger <laughs> problem. No, but that's it too, right? No, but that's actually like the uh, point. Like that, that now it's about mm -hmm. making sure they can have pork as much as she can. That's part True. of the step is getting them out. The next step is yes. hoping that she can get them some sort of equality in the world and yeah. misunderstanding that she can't really always do that. No. But what she can do a little bit is begin to recognize some of the sigils that she's seeing, such as House Frey, House Karstark, House Kerwin. Oh, these are Northmen. Mm. Dun dun dun. The mummers dismount and a noise brings Amory Lorch out. Terrible. Vargo reigns below him, telling him in his thick, slobbering voice that Roose Bolton had tried to cross the river, but they cut the vanguard to pieces. Or is it just because he cannot cross moving water? Thoughts, thoughts. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Lord Glover is their commander, and Aenys Frey is behind him. Boo. They both stare one another down. It's not exactly friendly with one another when the man with the mailed fist on his surcoat speaks, saying they were promised honorable treatment. Vargo screams, Silence! At him, and Sir Amory addresses the prisoners, saying, It doesn't matter what Vargo promised, Amory has been made the boss by Tywin. Amory commands they be held in the cell under the widow's tower, saying anyone who doesn't want to go can die here instead. Arya sees Pink Eye emerge from the stairs, and she makes herself scarce, not wanting to be seen. She slips off, unseen, where the castle is greatly deserted, and thinks about how the sound's kind of strange here now that everyone's gone. Ghastly echoes, funny sounds. This bothered Hot Pie, but not Arya. She's quiet as a shadow. She can flit around the castle. The garrison was no more than a hundred men, guarding a thousand doors, lost amongst Harrenhal, and the Hall of a Hundred Hearths and many of the lesser buildings had been closed off. Sir Amory resides in Kingspire, the castle's chambers, and Arya and the rest move to the cellars beneath him. It isn't quite foreshadowing, I would say, but seeing what happens to Harrenhal once the Lannisters... You know, um, amongst the, the Lannisters after Tywin leaves kind of gives a little bit of a glimpse of what happens after his death, right? Like, they just barely had a functioning operation here at Hall while Tywin was, was leading 
you know, while he was managing everything, but he, I guess, didn't really invest in any good leaders or any sort of organizational structure. He just hired, like, the most brutal fucking people and was like, you're a leader now. So when Tywin leaves Hall, no one knows what they should be doing and it all goes to shit and everyone's like, I don't know where I'm actually supposed to be posted. And it's kind of the same as how he raised his family, right? He just like strong-armed them into things and didn't really bother teaching them to do anything. And now House Lannister is falling to chaos. Now his children are all like doing willy-nilly shit. It, like killing him. Yeah, there's. I feel like there's also like very Roos-Tywin parallels there too mm. like i don't you explain that as tywin but bruce is really similar he's maybe a bit more involved but he just doesn't pay attention to what he needs to be paying attention to and obviously that ends up with yeah Arya. bruce is like doing like does worse later. right because he sees it and he just yeah. doesn't give a shit he no. just is like yeah whatever yeah. like yeah, Arya learned so much she does such a great job she like kind of becomes almost a confidant here back and forth for him in the castle and doing jobs like so much so that he even when she speaks up to him when she shouldn't he like kind of is amused he's like all right that's cute kid mm-hmm. you meant my lord though <laughs> yeah exactly like oh don't get cute with me though kid mm-hmm. once is enough but like yeah that that eventually like bruce like doesn't believe in investing in his workers and tywin doesn't either is really the big thing like tywin doesn't invest in infrastructure bruce doesn't invest in his people I think is the biggest. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the chaos between their kids, right? Like Roos knows exactly yeah. what Ramsey is. He just doesn't give a shit or do anything to try and rein him in. Really, mm-hmm. he has no control over him, and Tywin doesn't either. That's so real. Tywin thinks he does, <laughs> and he tries. <laughs> but yeah, that's a great point. Roos is like, I don't know. Fuck. Yeah. This is what I got. This is what I got to work with. And he's just, he's just investing in his skincare. Yes, and for him. We'll get to he's that. in his Chloe era. Say so, I don't know. Winter's coming along. Air's getting drier. I'm older than Catelyn Stark age now. Arya passes the armory. Regendry is hard at work. The hammer is like an extension of his arm, and she watches his muscles, and then slithers through the window where he tells her, "Oh, shouldn't you be in bed?" and asks about the commotion out front. All the same, and Arya tells her about her father's men and asks him to help her get him out from the widow's tower cells and help them to escape. And Gendry tells her. There are too many guards. Leave me alone. But Arya says that there are at least a hundred Northmen, maybe more. We can definitely do it. And they just have to get them out. Then they can take the castle and escape. And Gendry's like, where would they go? Where would we all go? And Arya's like, to Winterfell. My mother will surely let you stay. The irony. I mean, eventually, Gendry does stay with her mom. Yeah, Catelyn loves bastards so much. (laughs) (laughs) She must fucking love that one. Uh, Oh my gosh. She's like, he makes good swords. Uh, Chocolate. I didn't even realize. Oh my god, what the fuck? It's Catelyn right now. (laughs) I didn't even... Nightmare blood rotation. I didn't even realize that like, if she were not undead, she would absolutely see Gendry and be like... That's Robert's kid. I know that boy, and that's one of Robert's kids. Oh, yeah, that's true. She would have known. Yeah, that's for real. But now she's busy being whatever you were saying, chocolate. <laughs> Even um, from say? SpongeBob. Is that her? Oh, I was like, is this like it's her, like her the nightmare dying... blood rotation munchies? Oh, my God, maybe. Oh. No, it's like in SpongeBob, yes. the di- in, in the wheelchair, the dying little, like, sea creature woman that, like, 
and he tries to sell her chocolate. And anyways, it's a SpongeBob episode. People will get it. I'm funny. <laughs> it's, it's staying in. Hey, listen, I'm in a SpongeBob era right now. Last night, there's a little bit of. No, did you? you are. Did you? Yeah. I my Instagram video story. And I was like, I know this. Mm, song. Did you see the Instagram story of me singing? Sandy Cheeks's Texas yes. song was gone today. Yes. Yeah, that's the, there's a reason oh. for that. It was taken down by the sober police, which is me. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I thought it was normal to do that, but I did. How? Well. I don't either, but I was like, Chloe's drunk. I was like, the first image, the images before this were the bar, and then we got this. Yes. Uh, so we have a back and forth with Gendry and Arya, a little teasing. Would my lady permit? Could I shoe your horses for you and make swords for your lordly brothers? Sometimes he made her so angry. You stop that! Why would I wager my feet for the chance to sweat in Winterfell and place a Harrenhal? You know old Ben Blackthumb. He came here as a boy. Smith for Lady Went, and her father before her, and his father before him, and even for Lord Lothston, who held Harrenhal before the Wents. Now he smiths for Lord Tywin. And you know what he says, a sword's a sword, a helm's a helm. And if you reach in the fire, you get burned, no matter who you're serving. Lucan's a fair enough master. I'll stay here. Yeah, poor Arya. She just doesn't get it. She just does not get that. Like, she's so good at pretending to be a commoner, but she's not one. She doesn't understand that Gendry and Hotpire are both just happy to work and have security. They don't give a shit. They just want to do that. It's like that, the big theme in the story, the small folk don't give a shit who sits the Iron Throne. They just want stability. And that's what Gendry feels he has here. Yeah, when you take it all away from them, like, and then you feed them little bits of pork here and there, of course they don't give a shit. They're just happy to not be touched. I mean, the people that do survive at Hall here saw horrors. Like, yes. Ben Blackthumb being alive right now after Gregor came through... He survived by keeping his fucking head down and just doing his job and saying, you know, yes, my lord, no, my lord, and just doing what he had to to survive. And he saw shit here, not just now, back in the Lotstons. He probably saw some shit throughout the entire career leading up to Robert's Rebellion, not exactly known as a bloodless war, I hear. And they have no reason to believe it would be any different anywhere else because it's never been any different anywhere else. So why would Winterfell be any better than here? Yeah. How does Winterfell change the fucking world for us? Exactly. Well, they're gonna. My God, I believe in those goddamn kids. They're gonna. <laughs> they're like the the light, Nepo uh, baby light of Westeros, you know? Like, they're they're the Nepo babies that you're like, they, oh, you deserve the part. You're okay. I mean, they're absolutely Nepo babies. They're all, you know, it's it's what you do with your responsibility as a Nepo baby. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yes. Big time. And when Sansa Stark resettles the gift. <clears throat> so... <laughs> Arya says the queen will catch him but he says it's likely not even me they want sure he says he'll stay and one day be a master armorer and Arya says put mule ears on your helm next time instead of bull's ears cause you're being an idiot she leaves before she starts hitting him and thinks he's the reason they were caught at the village anyway and then she thinks of Lamy of all for Joffrey of being a sheep a mouse Jacken made me brave again he made me a ghost instead of a mouse. There's a great bit in King's Landing right now with Sansa, right? Where she's about to get scurried out of King's Landing, next book. 
She lands in the veil under Gaius as a bastard, and she kind of becomes more confident and sure in Arya, and her both are ghosts, right? They're ghost stories. They're gone. They're disappeared. You don't know what happened to these two girls. Mm. Arya was never seen again after King's Landing, quote-unquote, and mm-hmm. Sansa is said to have disappeared with her wings of a bat after casting a spell. Yeah, absolutely. They, they are both ghosts. And there's an empty space, a blank space, oh where where they could be and also in terms of fairy tales like i think that the language is eerier here like i was sheep and then i was a mouse and then i was a ghost and but the construction of it of how Arya becomes these different things especially through the magic of jackin is very much the same as the cinderella story right like you know, Cinderella, just a stepsister scullery maid, but for one night, she got to be a princess, thanks to her fairy godmother. But when the clock strikes midnight and she has no more wishes, she's just Cinderella, just like Arya. When she uses up that last wish, she's no longer the ghost in Harrenhal. She's a mouse, but instead here, the mice are, like, not horses. It's it's a little convoluted when it comes to the animals. I'm just, you know, pro-Gus Gus. Gus Gus Stan. We love Gus Gus. Over here. We love we Gus love Gus. Gus. Carrying that fucking corn. Just carrying it. I know! I used to always carry stuff like that oh. as a kid just because of Gus Gus, man. My heart broke for him when, like, all of it... <laughs> I've been there. Oh my god, this scene in the candle. He's sweating. <laughs> scared. Oh, no. Oh, is that just, or is that Jack? Oh, they're so stupid cute. So cute. How could anyone hate I them? I love mice. Uh, <laughs> I love, too, to that Cinderella story. It goes right back for Sansa, right? Because she loses her shoe when her aunt dangles her out of the exactly. window and turns her into a bastard. Where is that fucking shoe? Anyways, glossing over that, where is the shoe? Where is it? I'm a history student. So for me, it it brings some history stuff to mind because a lot of the time with women, especially if they were high born, they would be discredited with something akin to witchcraft. And so her Sansa turns into a bat is very witchcraft. Arya being the ghost is very witchcraft-esque, right? So it leans into that for me too. Yes. Especially in the bloody castle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Love that. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, that's been happening a lot to all the women who held this castle, right? Like Danelle. Was she Raina. My Raina. Was she just yeah. a bad Raina, yeah. Alice, Shella. Yeah. Exactly. Women. Women. <laughs> women are witches. <laughs> That's it. Like, Chloe, you're just channeling the meme from. <laughs> I just think that women. women and little women, yeah. <sighs> so she had been avoiding Jackin since Weez had died. Chiswick. That was super easy, right? Falling off a walkway. She's like, anyone could have done that. But dogs turning? Big yike. Jackin must have had some sort of power. But Arya didn't return, not wanting to get the wrath of Pink Eyes, so she does go towards the godswood. She loves the smell, the feel of grass and dirt on her toes. The sound of the wind, a steam rides through the wood, and she searches for her hidden sword. She had made it by breaking a broom apart. It's too light. It has no grip but the sharp jagged end is nice. Mm. She would steal away to water dance and practice her drills when she could. Sometimes she even climbed the trees to dance on the upper branches. I love these bits in the godswood for her in Clash of Kings. On reread, you yeah. can always also like really feel Bran and Blood Raven probably watching her. And even like her dancing in the godswood, there's a lot of uh, echo 
to that vision, right, that Bran sees of Lyanna and the Godswood with Benjen and fighting with him and saying, stupid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There is, and also, I don't know, you can really just see the visual, like, this would be a little training montage break here in Heron Hall. But also the thing, like, she's practicing jumping from branch to branch, and I'm like, is this what Howland Reed does when he runs on leaves? Oh, maybe. We've been trying to figure this out for a while, Beth, that <laughs> we've been trying to sort out in Brand to a Storm of Swords, you know, in the story Mira tells about her father, it said he could run on leaves, which we don't think is that impressive. Like, I, knew, I can, we've done I can run on leaves. Yeah. Yeah. I, this I, is the perfect time of year, in fact, to go do I was, that. I was just going to say that. I, I literally did that this morning. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So yeah. maybe this is what yeah, it means. That's impressive. Move over, Helen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that um the tree branch stuff also reminds me just of Bran and he was the climber. Yeah. You know, climbing the yeah. weirwood trees and the godswood. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. Really sh- mm-hmm. shoving it in his yeah. face there, are you? Yeah, a little sad here. Um, so yeah. Yeah. read the room. I will read this beautiful thing. I really wanted to pull this passage out because it's just so like vibes. It's beautiful prose and it's beautiful action of Arya and just I really wanted to read it, if that is okay with you, Eliana. Uh, yeah. Okay, good. It's your podcast too. <laughs> Up in the kingdom of the leaves, she unsheathed and for a time forgot them all. Sir Amory and the Mummers and her father's men alike, losing herself in the feel of rough wood beneath the soles of her feet and the swish of sword through air. A broken branch became Joffrey. She struck at it until it fell away. The queen and Sir Illyn and Sir Marin and the hound were only leaves, but she killed them all as well, slashing them to wet green ribbons. When her arm grew weary, she sat with her legs over a high limb to catch her breath in the cool, dark air, listening to the squeak of bats as they hunted. Through the leafy canopy, she could see the bone-white branches of the heart tree. It looks just like the one in Winterfell from here, If only it had been, then when she climbed down, she would have been home again, and maybe find her father, sitting under the weirwood where he always sat. Oh, it's fine. This is is honestly getting a little sad, guys. Let's uh, steer it back into some dick jokes or something. I don't know, shit. (sighs) Back on the ground, Arya stares into the face of the weirwood, its mouth twisted, its eyes full of hate. Is that what a god looked like? Could gods be hurt? The same as people? I should pray, she thought suddenly. Arya went to her knees. Yeah, she prays to help the men, to take her home, to make her a water dancer and a wolf, and to make her not afraid. And the language that Arya uses in this prayer, and and also she kind of prays a little bit for, like, revenge, kind of, in a way, too, um, or like freeing the men. It reminds me of Bran seeing the pregnant woman in the pool before the weirwood at Winterfell, praying for a son that would avenge her. And then you have this idea where she wonders, can gods hate? Or like she sees an expression of hate on, on the weirwood's face. And it makes me think of the others as well, right? I mean, maybe it speaks to, I don't know, the show's assertion of how the others were made from the children of the forest which again meh but like the the others are portrayed as the gods in specifically craster's story right they are the gods to whom he sacrifices his sons which are introduced in the same book it's not given explicitly but 
the ideas put forth. And then again, you also have this discussion of power uh, in in the whole storyline and in this book, and this like equation of rule some rulers to godhood, right? Like we see it in Daenerys' story, and she wonders if all gods feel so lonely while she's nursing also her own many hurts. And Arya's wondering, can a god be hurt? And I think the answer is just because you have power over others, over what happens, doesn't mean that you cannot still feel hurt and still feel hate. That kind of goes into what's going on with godhood here. Yeah, personifying the gods. I like that. And it feeds into like when she goes and feasts to Bravos, obviously. And the many-faced god and becomes kind of more like more tangible right of a theory and of an idea in her life than just what do we say to the god of death yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. and then it comes back to that line from jojen right if ice can burn then love and hate can mate and, I, and that that feels like it has to do with something with like you know the elemental stuff and again the others somehow but also george being like i really really love robert frost yeah that too yes. especially that yeah big time yeah for real that passage is also so just it's so sad you see just sort of how vicious and violent she's become she doesn't even think twice about murder anymore and obviously she's complacent in it through the through these chapters and she's had to be in other ways but it's just and we see her have to at well jack and makes her get her hands dirty soon so it's just mm. uh, sad it's sad to see her getting so twisted and then it's almost like she repents in a way she's i have to come back to the gods and come back to being on my knees and yeah asking it's almost like it's almost like that asking for forgiveness for those thoughts right even though that's not mm. it resembles it to me yeah it, it her praying in the god's wood and her like on her knees and then her working with her makeshift sword is like that's her repentant that's her penance that's her yeah. repenting mm. that's a really good call out especially because what syria would also show her not in a bad way but punishment you know like if you make a wrong step you get slapped he, not that he slapped her, but they were learning to sword fight. The consequences. I mean, learning uh, consequences. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Arya gets angry, remembering, though, that the gods didn't help Ned and then scolds the tree for not saving him. And then she is interrupted by Jack and Hagar, who tells her that the gods are not mocked. Don't say the old god's name in vain, girl. <laughs> old god. Don't call him old. That's so not nice. That's so incorrect. <laughs> I know, it's rude. You can't just ask a tree its age. Oh my age. god, you can't just count how many rings are on its neck. Jesus. Yeah, what if they're older than Cat and Stark? Um. <sighs> Jackin comes to get her third name, but Arya wants to know how he made the dog kill Weiss. I know how. Uh, basilisk blood, but that's because I read the books. She asks if Rorge and Biter are demons that he's brought from hell, if Jackin is even his name. Jackin tells her some men have many names. And he names her name, Weasel, Ari, Aria. She backs away against the heart tree, pissed off, thinking Gendry told. But Jackin says, a man knows, calling her my lady of Stark. I don't know, Arya, could it have been when you begged him in the last chapter to take you to River Run, right? Like, I don't know, maybe that could have been it. Or, like, you walking around town yelling, Winterfell, Winterfell in battles. Uh, I... I, I She's so subtle. Right. I'm like, come on, girlfriend. You're still new at this. You're still a beginner. And something about the idea that Jacken is super all-seeing, like, yes, some of it, sure, he has some magic and some deeper knowledge, but also, like, it doesn't stick right with me that he 
somehow would just know. I think you've also given it away. It's like Melisandre and her spells, right? Like, people believe what they want to see when you show them it. Also, she's like a little kid, right? She's like, oh my god, he knows through magic. And But I think... I think it's definitely what you said, right? Like, anyone who has been paying attention to the news <laughs> in Winterfell, and not in Winterfell, to the news in Westeros, pieces together, little girl saying, take me to River Run, and Winterfell, Winterfell, absolutely, definitely, definitely, probably her. I don't know, some other possibilities could be, like, would Jacken have maybe, like, seen her at King's Landing as Arya Stark before that he was imprisoned and she, like, didn't pay any attention to him or notice him because, you know, was he, like, some other guard or, like, household or small folk member or maybe he had a different face. That's possible, too, but I also think it's, like, as you said, like, anyone with, like, two brain cells would have put it together, but she's, like, nine years well, old. Well, Yorin, too. I mean, Yorin protected her and also Gendry true. over everybody else and had gives. Like, he had total tells that, like, Arya was treated differently, even if he loudly would, like, say things to make it look like she was being treated the same. She was treated differently, and he had been with them since King's Landing, since they left. Do you think he knows who Gendry is, too? Maybe. I wouldn't, I don't I, know if I would put it past honestly, him. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think he cares, though. No. no. Yeah. He might. Not he might, mission. just because, like, they, it's not his mission, but also they, their job is, like, kind Knowledge. of knowing secrets. Yeah, because mm -hmm. we see... Arya gets trained in that later on. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, it's also piecing together, like, what is the point of why did Yorin bring a little girl and disguise her as a little boy when they were fine taking on two-year-old girl as a two-year-old girl? So something else is happening mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. Also, her name, Ari, sounds a lot like... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just can't figure it out. This girl has a very stark look on her face. Aha! <laughs> um yeah i guess unlike in sansa's chapters right where she goes for privacy and she's like no one can hear us here turns out the godswood is not that here in heron hall the godswood is where people just come and sneak up on you and they're like i know everything i've overheard all of your prayers <laughs> that's for fucking real it's interesting it, it, but it is pretty private i'll give her that like she is for the most part besides jackin which yeah this is her her dantosi line here with him Hmm. Arya tells him about freeing the Northmen, that she wants his help, but he tells her he can kill he can kill a guard for her. The third name is Ode. And Arya's like, that's not what I want. I want you to save the Northmen. Like I saved you. But three lives is three lives, Jacken said. The gods are not mocked. Arya considers and asks if she could name anyone. A man, a baby, a woman, his father, the high septon, anyone? Jacken's dad is dead. He says, but yes, anyone. I love when he talks about the gods and coming back to kind of our conversation back and forth a couple chapters ago of, you know, what does he worship? And he's more present and uh, more, you know, he just understands each god as its own thing. But he says, by all the gods of sea and air and even him of fire. So that's uh, even him of fire. Even the last one that I don't really like. Interesting. So not a, not a real or fan, that implies. Doesn't worship mm -hmm. it. Yeah, I got the sense that maybe, like, I don't know, the, the religion of the Faceless Men is, do they all just think every god is just another aspect of mm -hmm. the same god of death, kind of like how in some forms of Hinduism, right? Like, there's a bunch of different deities, but each one's also, like, actually a manifestation or avatar of just the same one god. Yeah. But I also thought it was really weird that he was like, yeah, if you named my dad, I would definitely kill him. 
you gotta step up Jamie Lannister <laughs> but also <laughs> you know like maybe it's about the owing of the god mm-hmm. because I thought that was interesting since faceless men cannot take a hit they can't take like a job with a hit on someone that they do know mm-hmm. so maybe like that's why since this doesn't fall under I don't know that form of work yeah but also she made him swear in front of a weirwood as well so i was like is that binding is this a very legally binding contract an oath yeah yeah i like it was remind me because it's been a while since i've read the earlier chapters of this book but wasn't Jacken almost taken by fire? Didn't he almost burn? Yes. And that's when she saved him? Yes. So it is funny that he doesn't, even him of fire, I don't really believe in him. Oh, but I almost died by fire not that long ago. So thanks for that. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. But he didn't. So maybe that's why he doesn't believe. He's <laughs> like, saved again. That guy's got nothing on me. <laughs> How much power can he have if this little girl can Yeah, this lumpy head. Yeah. Lumpy head. Arya puts her lip to his ear and whispers, Jacqueline Hagar. And Jacqueline is a taken aback. <laughs> He's like, a girl is joking. And she says, the gods heard you swear. Got him. Arya straight up, got him. A knife is in his hand now, whether meant for her or him, she couldn't say. And he tells her a girl would weep without her only friend. Yeah, then she like responds to me with like, "You're not my friend. A friend would help me, and help, and it's like help me what kill a bunch of people, which even Gendry, who is actually her friend, did not agree to." I'm like, "Yeah, Arya, baby, you emotionally blackmail that man. You go, girl." I think I raised her myself. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> if if you cared about me, you would kill all these people for they me. They grow up so fast. That's my girl. That's my baby. If you loved me, you would commit murder (laughs) even more. Uh, I said, that's my baby, and I'm proud of her. Mass murder. Yes. (laughs) Oh, boy. She says she may name another name if Jacken helps her. Jacken makes her unsay his name, calling her an evil child. She thinks in her head, she's like, I'm not an evil child. I'm a direwolf and the ghost in Heron Hall. Ooh, the usage of evil child here kind of reminds me of the children of the forest, in a way, of oh. how they were probably named by many. I'm sure many may have said they were evil, depending on, you know, what actually happened in, in the old past that I'm sure we'll get all the reveals someday on. But also reminds me of the ghost of High Heart later uh who says i see you wolf child blood child i thought it was the lord who smelled of death you're cruel to come to my hill cruel i gorged on grief at summer hall i need none of yours be gone from here dark heart be gone so it's definitely not the first ominous time she's been called like an evil child in a way of things or a dark child i thought that was Mm -hmm. interesting Hmm. I love how she's also like, I'm not evil. I just named you to kill yourself, and I'm the ghost in Heron Hall because you made me the ghost in Heron Hall. But still, it's totally mm. fine. Yeah, it's like she doesn't she doesn't realize how much, or I think she realizes it, but she just will not acknowledge how much she actually relies on him for his power. It's not his friendship; it's his power. Absolutely, yeah, it makes her powerful in turn. Mm-hmm. But I like what you said, right? Of like he made her this. I mean, she could have refused, but at the same time. He kind of did. I, I kind of like, I like what you said there. There's that transformation aspect. And I do really like the idea of him, like, grooming her for being a faceless 
man. Like after the, we we talked about that a little bit, I think with Mallory uh, Sanrixian, but I, I really like that idea now in context of everything. Like seeing like not only that, but not only does he want her to be complicit in it, but he also wants her to learn. Like he won't always be able to be there. Mm. He can't do this job and teach her everything. Yeah, very serial. Very. This is your next mentor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yorin was recruiting for two organizations, and he didn't even know it. He thought he was recruiting people for the black, but it was for the black and oh my white. God. <laughs> she puts her broom back in its place and follows him out to Heron Hall, which, despite the hour, is pretty lively. Vargo's arrival threw all routine out of place. The bear cage is in the center of the yard, hanging from the bridge, attached with heavy chains. Some boys from the stables are tossing stones at the bear, rude, hearing it roar. Wrong animal. <laughs> yeah, wrong, exactly. But I feel like that's kind of a reflection of Arya. She's feel like she's getting stones thrown at her, and she's a caged wolf about to wreak some havoc. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. That is exactly... That that's actually a perfect reflection of how she feels, especially with the stones. And yeah, I mean, you know, we've been talking about Taylor Swift, but it's a little bit like what is it? Was it Lindsay Lowen or Miley? I think it's Miley's. I can't be caged. Um, but also, it, it, like the imagery here in a different way also makes me think of J.R. Mormont. You know, bear, precarious position, surrounded in a ring of fire. But I think it's more of like as you said, a reflection of Arya's emotional state. Yeah, I like the reflection of Arya in that because it makes me think of Bran as the winged wolf, right? And him with his chains and getting rid of the chains. And because she starts uh, warging and skin changing a lot more in these chapters and it starts becoming really obvious when she does, you know, yeah. in her sleep especially. So mm -hmm. Yeah, she's more, she's finding that in herself more and more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It's interesting because she doesn't know. Like, Bran obviously gets the magical... Like the Jojin as his little Jedi Yoda guide for a little bit, and then he moves up to Blood Raven to the big leagues. So he has a little bit of help as he tries to parse through it. Where it's weird because Arya has this magical mentor, but she doesn't really know what's happening to her yet. She doesn't understand it, and so she doesn't really get to ask him if he knows anything about it. Yeah, mm. she thinks like she's it. having weird dreams. The barracks hall is lit up with men drinking and eating, and Arya realizes pink guy would have sent for her and realized she wasn't in bed. She hopes that he's too busy pouring for the brave companions and Sir Amory. Jackin begs Arya to unsay one name and say another so that they can cast this madness aside, but she says she will not. <laughs> like, I, I can't help but be like, but, but why? Like, if he had just, how did she know that he wasn't going to just kill himself? If he had just pulled out a knife and stabbed himself, what would she have done then? Like, and also what would the faceless men have done then? Like, do they have a backup plan? Do they expect that their soldiers will fall and they have a way to find out and resettle this new, the plan that he's actually supposed to be on? Like, so many but whys. Yeah, like, I don't think that the, uh, and okay, like, we learn, right, that, like, Arya goes out and she kills people she's not supposed to, necessarily, mm -hmm. right? And, and she gets quote unquote punished, but also it's like further training question mark uh, with going blind mm -hmm. but like she gets scolded for having killed people not on the agenda so it makes me think that maybe this is off the agenda completely what he's doing it's not something they're supposed to do for people like you're not supposed to give common little girls you met on the road three wishes to kill people like that's usually not in the faceless <laughs> men agenda i don't think so that yeah. that's something that i think is really interesting about it because to me i'm like i think he's going off the like 
a little rogue when it comes to her in general. And then him doing this and like freeing the Northmen, which again, we'll talk about it, but it's very funny because it was going to happen anyway. But like freeing them is like way off his schedule. Way, way, way. He's like, I don't know if I really have time slash should be doing that. Like ethically, like who's getting his money, his time, his money, you know? Right. And again, like what, what if he had just killed himself? Then what, what, what was well, and that's why then? I'm like, it's not bound to anything then is what I think that <laughs> no. proves, right? Like it, it was a personal payback of what he was doing. It was personal what he's doing and he's not magically bound to do it, but because he has a certain code of honor, he would do it, but he just knows slash thinks she's going to take it back. I think maybe he admires her cleverness too, yeah. right? What a clever thing to do to make me do mm-hmm. this. We'll go along with it. No, I think you're right. He does admire it and, and does think, oh, how, how clever. What a precocious little child. What a precocious little <laughs> evil child. <laughs> Just like me when I was a so child. Cute. Yes. I want her. So I cute. want her to be one of us. <laughs> she wants to kill me. <laughs> Isn't that what friends, that's what friendship's like, I guess. Uh, maybe I just don't know. Maybe I just don't have good enough friends. Chloe, why don't you go murder eight people with me? <laughs> I'm not going to answer that for legal reasons. <laughs> I have two lawyers that would say they're not my lawyers. Thank you very much. And they would definitely tell me not to answer that for legal reasons. <laughs> I'm not going to put this on record. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, honestly, it's a strange, flimsy plot. And I think George is like, what can I do to make this work? Yeah, I just have to move it forward. But you're right. It is kind of silly. Like, what, what if he did just was like, oh, my God, she's right. It's me. I have to die now. And yeah, that he could like, I guess, argue it. Part of me is like, you know, I'm ret- retconning mm-hmm. into the canon, the idea, retconning, you know, that is this part of how they recruit people usually, you know, maybe they can go off script to be like, you know, they'll be like, oh, this person seems as though they would be really comfortable with the idea of putting out hits on people. Let's get yeah, three sense, names. I sense and, like, potential see. in this young pad one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like this person could be really into the idea of killing people for whatever reason. Yeah, Yeah. could be. Could be. Settled to their fate, Jacqueline tells her she must obey him. He directs her to run to the kitchens and get broth from the boy in the kitchens. Wait until he comes for her. She runs to meet Hot Pie, where everyone's working and awake, and the chief cook asks what she wants. She tells him her lord wants broth, he wants it fucking now, and he points at the kettles hanging in the fire. She says she has to wait here until it's done, and he commands her to wake Pia up so he can get butter and cheese going. He, she goes to get Pia, who's moaning beneath a mummer. Mm, poor Pia. Pia fills six mm-hmm. baskets with crocks of butter and wedges of cheese. Arya tells her to hurry back or Vargo will chop her foot off, and she runs before Pia can grab her and make her help. Dang. Also, though, I, I think it's valid for the cook to be upset, because if I were the cook, I'd be very confused. I'd be like, what do you mean you fucking want broth now? Do you not know how broth works? That's at least three hours, depending on the kind of broth we want. Sometimes it is more than three hours, depending on what animal we are using, especially if we want a good broth. So We do not have Instapots in Westeros. <laughs> we don't. I was like, they don't have pressure cookers. Yeah, that's kind of fucked up. They don't have little bouillon cubes. <laughs> they should. They should get it together. Yeah. Yeah. Or freezers. I mean, that would also, uh, be you know, back stuff. Yeah, yeah. Salt does yeah. get old after a while, does. doesn't it? Yeah. 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 He didn't stockpile, oh, stock a bunch of stock in his little quart <laughs> oh things God. and put it in his freezer for 
whenever he needs it. Isn't that the greatest irony that like the wall has the perfect preservation system built within it for the Night's Watch, but they have no food? <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're poor. No, I'm just kidding. That's not nice. That's terrible. Oh, being poor. No, I'm just kidding again. The Night's Watch. <laughs> my God. Uh, someone please donate to them. Oh, my God. <laughs> You can adopt a Night's Watchman. <laughs> I don't want to. I think we've, we've, I think we've actually like yeah. advertised that before. Yeah, actually, I think we might have. <laughs> this is not the first time. This is, in fact, a program you can do through Girls Gone Canon. And you just have to send an email with your blurb about your Neil Gaiman piece. Oh, wait, that's a different thing. Wait, don't give away <laughs> the instructions! <laughs> On the way back, she wondered why none of the captives had their hands or feet chopped off. Hmm. Maybe Vargo Holt was afraid to make Rob angry. Soon, though, he'll be very angry and he'll take it out on Jamie Lannister, so don't worry. Don't worry. Arya returns to the kitchen and helps Hot Pie with stirring the kettles, thinking about telling Hot Pie the plan, but then remembers the village and thinking, maybe no, maybe we don't tell Hot Pie the plan. He could just be surprised. They're all interrupted by Rorge, who demands the bloody broth be done, and Arya in dismay realizes that Jack and added Tweedledee and Tweedledum to the plan. Rorge threatens the cook, gets him to relent, although the broth still really isn't done. Jacquin commands Weasel to help, and they lug the kettles across the yard, passing the guards at the Widow's Tower and heading to the dungeons. Arya counts eight guards, who smell the broth, and they're like, ooh, what's in that? Me. Uh, the guards argue it's about time they eat, and ask where the bread is, and bowls, cups, spoons. Rorge says, you don't need any of that, and he heaves the kettle at the guards, as does Jacquin and Biter, raining out soup on the captains and guards. Rorge begins cutting throats, Biter begins cracking necks, Jacken dances with his own sword, eventually turning to bring it to Arya's heart, wiping the blood on her shift. A girl should be bloody too. This is her work. Ooh. Ooh. Interesting. Kind of. Yeah, definitely some Littlefinger Jacken vibes, right, with uh, wanting to make sure that Arya and Sansa are complicit in the murder and complicit in the work. I'm interested to see where uh, Jacken's grooming and overall really takes her, since she's already in Essos now, getting trained to become a faceless mm -hmm. something or other. Yeah, this line also, for me, it makes me think of that, the theme of sacrifice, this deed was for you, and sort of that relevance of heart split. I, I, don't, I didn't look it up, but I don't think it actually comes up all that much in the series. And for me, one of the parts where heart's blood really stands out is in Maester Lewin's death when he bleeds mm. into the weirwood. Oh. Uh, into the roots of the weirwood oh, when he dies. Sad. Why would you? Why would you do this thing? It's very sad. Oh, I'm sorry. No, we forgive you. It is sad. Yeah, some of Arya's roots though are in this deed. These deaths are hers. Interesting. And it kind of makes me think of the horse heart that Danny eats in a way, just uh. for aesthetics, not really for any actual deep reason. But <laughs> I'm thinking of like heart's blood. I'm like, ooh, the horse heart. That was bloody. But that really isn't a phrase used often. Mm -hmm. Huh. Yeah. Heart's blood. Makes me think of Heart's Bane. Yeah, I, I was thinking of Heart's Bane. So, mm -hmm. But, I mean, this really was, like, the, it's really her thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't even want to do this. This is for you. Yeah. Because I am your best friend. I deserve best friend status now, Arya. Put me on your top eight. <laughs> yeah, put me. <laughs> Dating myself here. Jackin's like, I expect a really good Christmas present for this shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Yeah. Damn. Not a gift of mercy. He probably, since he, he like believes in all of the gods existing, he probably celebrates so many holidays. That man probably has a great PTO. Oh, that's true. Right? 
Yes. Yeah. The faceless men probably Actually. offer some really good PTO and benefits. I'd be interested. Anyways. <laughs> they actually ad, might. New ad campaign. Hmm. Hmm. They really might. Free makeup, if you think about it. <laughs> yes. Rorge claims the key to the cell, opening it up and freeing the captives. Robot Glover first. The captives strip the weapons off the guard, darting up the steps with steel in hand and the others following barehanded. Glover commends the plan, and he's like, was it Vargo's idea? And Rorge just laughs. Biter, meanwhile, is eating a dead guard's hand. Robet realizes... Normal. Yeah, really normal. I thought that was important to include, sorry. Very normal behavior. <laughs> and I'm glossing over it, too. I'm like, anyways. <laughs> uh, well, they gotta eat, right? Um, Robet realizes they're... They had pork right all there. The, all the broth is gone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. <laughs> he wants to make his own broth. <gasps> Ooh. Ooh, coppery. Bowl of brown. Glover realizes that these aren't people from the Brave Companions, and Jacken's like, now we are, and introduces themselves. Jacken <laughs> then motions to Arya, who quickly interrupts and says, I'm Weasel, not wanting Rorge and Biter to find out who she is, the same predicament she keeps becoming into. Northmen run across the yard, and the barracks hall bursts open with a screaming, wounded men. Fighting starts around the gatehouse, and Jacken asks if she understands. The goat has no loyalty. A wolf banner will be hanged here soon, but first she must unsay his name. She takes it back and asks if she has a third death yet, but Jacken says he has more than paid this debt by now. Besides, now a man must die. Arya's very confused, and then shit gets weirder. He takes his face off and reveals a new one. A hooked nose, a scar on his cheek, fuller cheeks, and a cap of black curly hair. Yeah, way more confused now. She's like, oh my god, how did you just do that? Begging him to show her. And he's like, if you want to learn, you have to come across the narrow sea with me. So I'm usually like more of the scully person where I'm like, not, not tinfoily. And I don't really lean into the Sirio is Jackin, but when he does this right in front of her and he, you know, I know there's reasons for him to know stuff about her because she's not subtle, but it does make me wonder if she did see, or if he did see her before as somebody else. Mm. Cause why would he show her that right in front of her? Cause know. he has to like, well, and I don't even know if it's like, if he's Cause they're best friends. Cause they're best friends. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> best I don't know if he's like someone she's already like that. Maybe she talked to. Maybe he was a servant for a while. Like Aliana was saying, maybe he was somebody in the castle even for a bit. Right. Mm -hmm. But I, I would imagine he's able to see through disguises really well, just from the skill itself and from having to pay that attention. So mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm hmm. Maybe he's trying to see how she reacts to it to like see if she would be right for for the cause uh, to join yeah. join the house. Mm -hmm. Maybe. There's even like an echo of like Bran and Bloodraven being able to kind of watch CCTV through the Weirwoods, right? Like, does he have some sort of way to do so? I know obviously he wants to go have a way to do so in Old Town with a glass candle, but I don't know. I'd be interested where the lengths of the training for faceless men take you magically. The extent of his capabilities. Hopefully That's part of the out. benefits. You get free vacations. You get free trips all over the world. Yeah. We're, I mean, working trips, but yes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, and then it also brings up the question, like, was Old Town really his original next step, or did it change? Yeah. And, like, how would he know if it mm -hmm. did? Yeah. Arya says that she has to go home, and he says, well, we must part. He presses a coin of great value into her hand, telling her it's not for buying horses, 
give it to a man from Bravos and say Valar Margulis to them. She begs him not to go, but he says Jackin is as dead as Arya's. Yeah, so Arya, she bites the coin when she first gets it, which, you know, gets a little callback in her first assassination when she finally decides to enroll in killing school. Jackin is as dead as Ari, is what he says, and, you know, it's it's very much this idea of changing your face and who you are. That That's a very literal thing with the faceless men. But I think it comes back again to this very central question within the whole story of whether a person can change. I think it's a fundamental question in A Song of Ice and Fire, and Lyanna Stark posits, again, one form of it saying, love is sweet, dearest net, but it cannot change a man's nature. But the story argues both for that and against it in a couple of different ways, right? Like, and also you know, is the old you dead, right? Once you change and become a different person or do, does that version of you still live on? Mm. Just different. And and I think that's just something that the story explores in different ways, whether it's through Arya's growing up to be evil child or, you know, John going through a lot of trauma, just like his dad, his daddy, Ned, and... Catelyn going from Catelyn to Lady Stoneheart, or even, you know, Jamie, Theon, Sandor. Yeah, you think on like these alternate almost timelines, right? That like Ari was a, a kind of a different timeline that Arya had. She lived and now she's disposed of being Ari. So it's like, did Ari actually exist? Like if you made something up that's mm, fake, that's like if you've made yeah. a fake persona up, does it cease to exist? Does that per- once that person ceases to exist, does it matter because it never really existed? You know, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. You'd have more thoughts on this if you actually watched Doctor Who, Eliana. Oh, also interesting. Mm-hmm. It's been a while. Sorry, <laughs> Doctor Who. Uh, Arya biting the coin too, isn't that? Doesn't um, Jack and do that to Pate? Mm. He knows he's going to bite the coin. I kind of oh, wonder yeah, if he was inspired yeah, yes. by Arya biting it, and he's like, oh. Mm. Like, oh, maybe he was. Like That's so beautiful. They are good friends. Mm-hmm. Besties. You inspire me all the time, Chloe. Just like Arya does to Jacket. You guys are so cute. We're something. <laughs> Go murder some guards with Stu. All right, Ernie needs to settle down <laughs> over here on her podcast. <laughs> Arya and Jacket, good friends, share one final Valar Margulis, and then Arya is alone with dead men, thinking they deserve to die. She returns to her bed of straw, repeating her prayer. There's a kind of childishness there, too, with Arya being like, they deserve to die. I'm like, did those men deserve to die? Really? I mean, obviously they were not part of a great structure and regime, right? But, like, I don't know that, like, necessarily they did anything worse than X other people, right? Throughout this whole story. And it's very much like... Is it easier to tell yourself that fairy tale of they deserve to die to like assuage your own conscience and your own desires? It's also like, I mean, Beth, earlier you were saying like, you know, Arya's just getting to a point where she's becoming desensitized. She's like, yeah, murder is normal to get what you want. Mm-hmm. And murder and is what I need to, to succeed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, murder is what she needs to succeed, especially when you decide that. They deserve to die. That's kind of a godhood thing, too. You get to decide who lives or dies, who is moral and who is immoral based on who lives. And I think that even, like, it makes me think of Stannis, you know? Stannis is all like, hmm, those people deserve to die or whatever was coming to them. 
And and it's kind of how we justify some things about like the death of Renly, for example, later in this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were just dudes that worked there. You know, they had just survived the the recent rounds of firings. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they yep. survived the layoffs. Oh boy, there were some layoffs. Not great. Not great. Yeah, it's like it's hard to hear her say these strangers that I probably have never spoken to deserve to die. Yeah, you know. Yeah, she's going through it. She's going oh through God. it. The slayoffs. The slayoffs. <laughs> yes. I'm gonna scream. Thank you. Thank you. Pink, so, Pink Eye <laughs> and the others return by dawn. One boy is killed in the fighting. Later, Pink Eye goes to see how everything had turned out, and Heron Hall has been taken. The mummers and uh, kill some of Amory's men in their beds, and they kill those at the table, the dinner table, with them. So, of course, mini red wedding foreshadowing going on. Roos and his many betrayals. Right, you're parading the captured around, parading the animals around, and all the things you've stolen from them. Killing people during a meal. Arya actually kind of puts her own little betrayal into place, as we know. And it's kind of right. funny because Arya really thinks that she just did all this and that this is her, the blood is on her hands and all of it. But Roos loses the battle and gets the Northerners captured intentionally because their plan was always to retake Harrenhal. That's why Robet says, oh, did Vargo do this? Was this his plan? Mm-hmm. Arya just quickened <laughs> the entire plan. And for somewhat hashtag wholesome question mark, not wholesome, but, you know, for, for reasons that are way different than Roos's reasons, right? But she gets the castle retaken friendship. for friendship, which is magic. Yeah, a little less tactical than uh, Roos's plan. Yeah. yeah, hers was kind of in earnest, you know? Yeah, to take the north. Yeah, Arya vote yeah, blue. I'm doing no my brother who. a favor. Yeah, for Winterfell. <laughs> Winterfell. Because everybody Winterfell. in the lordship hot, of Winterfell hot. and surrounding is good, right? Everyone in the north is good. Every single one of them. Of course, all of yeah. them. I mean, to a child, yeah. To Arya, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah, and also yeah. like she doesn't like you know that Catelyn kind of knows the measure of men. We we learn that about her. Yeah, from spending time with them. But Arya is a young girl. She didn't have the training that. That Rob had, she didn't meet with the people, mm-hmm. she didn't see the personalities of them. She would have been put with the women. She wouldn't she wouldn't really understand. But she she does because she still doesn't tell Ruth who she is. So she still reads people really well. Even though she doesn't know that he's not yeah. that he could be a safe person. She doesn't trust it. Yeah, and the whole entire revealing yourself thing, especially like Sansa and her obviously both have that in their plot now heavily, but like it's so sad because every time she could almost do it, somebody's there she doesn't trust. Yes. Mm. it's also like an interesting thing right like she's you know a lot of her stories about how she sees things in this very black and white morality way right these men deserve to die because they were on the other side these other men deserve to live because they were northmen they are therefore good and she's starting to get to a point where that's complicated because as you said she doesn't tell Roos who she is she's like hashtag not all northmen and Yeah. yeah doesn't disclose but it's sad if she'd been able to tell glover he probably would have tried to yeah. see her home safe but ruse never would yeah so, ruse would have married her off to ramsey he'd be yes. like we did it my plan is coming true yeah, yeah. that's a great point it. because that's literally what's about to happen with jane mm-hmm. maybe yeah. she inspires him when he realizes he's been outwolfed just kidding <laughs> pa was that that aria girl maybe maybe i should marry ramsey to one that looks mm-hmm. like her uh, I do think if she could get a hold of a sword, I do think she could take Ramsey in a fight. Interesting. Because Ramsey's not trained. Interesting. Anyway. Yeah, after what she pulls uh, next chapter, 
when she's all, oh, no, I dropped my coin. Blech. Step, yeah. step, step. They're both pretty savage. They're both pretty oppor- opportunistic. So Yeah. It'd be an interesting fight. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want it. Save her. Add that to your brackets, everyone. Everyone's always making all these brackets. Add that to your brackets. Ramsey v. Arya. <sighs> the new lord, speaking of, he's northern. He's going to arrive by the end of the day. And he's said to be a hard one. Pink Eye tells them all no tomfoolery or he'll whip the skin off their back, looking specifically at Arya, and she's like, no, he won't. He's soft. All morning, she watches the mummers strip the dead. Shagwell hacks two heads off and makes them talk while he dances. Oh, the coincidence of the uh, whipping the flesh off when that's the Bolton sigil is the flayed man. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good call. I would have been really impressed, the new boss. <laughs> Should have done it, pink guy. Shagwell makes the heads talk to one another, and one head goes, what did you die of? And the other head goes, hot weasel soup. And all I can think in my head is, girl dinner. Hot weasel soup is just girl dinner. <laughs> Evil little girl dinner. Evil child yeah, dinner. shit up. Yeah. <laughs> Evil child dinner. <laughs> I mean, there was even like the little bread and cheese too, so it really Girl dinner really kinda of fits the bill of girl dinner. Arya mops up dried blood all the while and no one speaks to her, but she gets some weird looks. Interesting. Realizing mm. rumors must have spread about her involvement. She wants to tell Shagwell to shut the fuck up with his playing, but she was scared. <laughs> uh yeah, I mean Shagwell's pretty scary. Having heard that he's once gone mad and killed someone for not laughing at his jokes. That's me. Oh, you think that's that's our dynamic? I'm Shagwell, no, I'm Shagwell. and I would kill you for not... Oh, interesting. <laughs> anyway. Interesting. So we're both Shagwell. Wow. Well, now I'm terrified. Thanks Shagwell? for having me here. <laughs> well, and Beth is, Beth is Biter. The B stands for Biter. Oh, B word stands for Biter. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah. Or you, you could roars, be Rorge yeah. if you'd like. You could, but you could be Biter doing very normal things like gnawing on a man's hand <laughs> in the background. I think I need to change my name. Can I be Brienne instead? Uh, you know, but like, I don't That's know. I like chicken feet, would. right? Like, and I just imagine gnawing on chicken feet. Would it be similar? I guess it's uncooked. Anyways. Well, no, it's steamed. Mm-hmm. The hand is probably steamed. Well, this hand is probably steamed. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's a good point. Not seasoned enough mm. to my taste. Lots to Guys, think about. Lots stop. to think about. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> well, uh, I think I might. Am I just hungry? <laughs> I am. Oh my god. By evenfall, Roose Bolton arrives, wearing black ring mail and the spotted cloak. His squire shouts for everyone to kneel to him, and Vargo Hote gives him Heron Hall, Robit Glover, and Anus Frey join him. They're bathed and clean and fresh clothing, and they lead them to Rorge and Biter to get thanks for their part in the super <laughs> Do you think they had a sexy bath? It's really good clothes. <laughs> Maybe. Ooh. Ooh. In the suit. Ooh. I mean, yeah, those are some big tubs, as we know. I mean, what do you think? They just tried Actually, not to do we eye do contact know that. the whole time. Yeah, right. <laughs> Two dudes in a hot tub sitting six inches apart because we're not gay. <sighs> I like the soupening, Thanks. Chloe. The soupening is great. Shagwell pounces on her, dragging her across the yard, saying, She's the weasel who made the soup. Bruce asks how old she is <laughs> and responds, Ten, which he corrects with, My lord, asking if she's fond of animals. She responds, and she's like, Some kinds. And he's like, Not lions, nor manticores, it seems. Ho, ho, ho. Mm-hmm. But he never thinks to ask her why. It just kills me. It goes back to that idea of Arya not really understanding why Hendry or Gendry or Hot Why I combined the two names there. Um, <laughs> wouldn't leave with her. Roost just dismisses Arya exactly the same. You're lowborn. 
why does it matter? I have what I want. Blows my mind. Yeah. Just ask her why. Yeah, he doesn't ask why. He's like more amused. Again, back to Roos. He just doesn't care. He's so Mm-mm. lackadaisical, complacent, ascetic. He doesn't give a shit. It's kind of funny. And this right here is also like, right, like just looking at this, like she immediately gets put with Roos, which she doesn't ask for. But, you know, you can understand why Gendry and Hot Pie kind of aren't happy with her in the next couple chapters. They're a little cross with her, a little sore. They're like, okay, Mm -hmm. so you turned the entire castle and now you're the assistant to the manager? Like, hmm. But also, like, okay, we don't know why you just helped us kill these guards and take the castle, but let me make you my cupbearer because you seem like a super trustworthy person. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's actually a great point. Yeah, he thrives on chaos, I I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Chaos is a ladder. Chaos is entertainment. Well, I think some of it is sexism on Roos's part, though, too, right? Because, like, the next part, Absolutely. he instead, the things he does ask her, he's like, What did your mother name you? Weasel won't mm-hmm. do. And she, like, thinks for many names. And she's like, My name's Nemaria, but my mother calls me Nan. And he then tells her, like, You'll address me as Lord when you speak to me, Nan. And are you afraid of leeches? And she's like, They're only leeches, my lord. But. Like, that's what he asks her, and I think maybe he, like, it's like what uh, Brienne's master at arms tells her, right? Like, people will look at you and see what they want to see when they see you. He looks at you and sees a mm. scrawny, tiny, 10-year-old girl mm-hmm. who could do nothing but girl things, yeah. like girl dinner, like weasel souped girl dinner. It's true, and actually, you're right. The The cooking part, the cooking element also is a very feminine thing to have to have mm-hmm. used for a weapon, but also so is poison, just mm. saying. Yep. And it kills just as well. It's a woman's true. weapon. Mm-hmm. It's also interesting that, like, I don't know, he doesn't even think it's weird that she knows how old she is. A lot of lowborn people don't know how old they are. That's true. It's very true. So that she has a straight answer, I thought. I kind of, like, sometimes I, I think about what the show did with that, where they flirted with, like, the understanding of, like, does Tywin know, does he not know, you know? And it's interesting because both, like, when with Roos, too, they flirt with it in the show. And it is, like, there's so many tells that, like, she has to be someone. Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe it was more convenient for him to, like, have her not be Arya. He's like, I've got this much more pliable mm-hmm. person, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I, I like how he's like, is she afraid of leeches? She's like, they're only leeches, my lord. And it's like, Arya, I'm thinking about Arya being like, why? Should I eat the leech? Like, I ate the worms? Or threatened to also eat other worms? She loves worms. Or is she just, like, new worm? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's girl, tasty, That's tasty. also girl dinner. Oh, yeah. Um, girl dinner is to come in this podcast, trust me. <laughs> Arya's got some big girl dinners to have. <laughs> That's actually true. And mm-hmm. yeah, what I can tell from this is, you know, the way that Roos presents the leeches, he's just really into PRP skincare. Oh my treatments. god. Oh my god, the vampire facial. <sighs> yes. Where they use a little bit of your yeah, blood and platelets. W- Ooh. Yeah, they take a bit of your blood out. They like, I don't know, throw it into a centrifuge to sen- to separate the plasma from your blood, then use microneedling mm-hmm. to put it back into your face. There's also foreskin skincare. Ooh, you know, oh, I didn't I know, know that. that. Tell us. Human, human growth hormone in a lot of medical grade skincare lines come from initially from the, the source of a baby's foreskin. Yeah, certain that makes sense. Foreskin. Oh, I mean, stem yeah. cells too. Stem cells. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The yep. stem cells make sense, but the, the foreskin is kind of messed up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of, I was like, like, no, I don't think I will buy that product. I don't think I want a baby penis face Mm -mm. as much as I'd like to look younger. Yeah. No, No, that's very straight. Bruce would use it. Yeah. Botox? Yes. Baby penis face? No. Bruce would use it. Yeah. 
Yep. Ruth, no, Ruth would use it. At least with like P- PRP, you know, it's like it's your own blood, mm-hmm. so you're consenting to like this themselves. procedure and what's being ha- happening to someone. But yeah, because like for those that are listening and don't know, as you age, your face loses collagen and elasticity, and you look old as you age. And um, <laughs> Bruce is definitely that one guy that was viral. That's like looks he look pays power he's, much money. He's Paul Rudd. Yeah, Paul Rudd. <laughs> uh, what? what? That viral guy, though, that was like, he spends like bajillions of dollars to look 40 and he doesn't even look that good. I'm like, damn, just go live, bro. Yeah. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's Bruce. Yeah. Uh, Bruce would be into the the micro needling. I've done that. It's fun. It's kind of weird. I'm now imagining Bruce with like the gua sha. (laughs) (laughs) Bruce gets like a a subscription box every month with fun stuff in it. Just like Mm. me. He's just like me for real. He's a girl's girl. Mm -hmm. And hydrofacials. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Laser treatments, too. He also reminds me a little bit of Frank from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. There's an episode where Frank douses himself in hand sanitizer, and then he crawls around out of a couch, and he's like, (laughs) I have to be pure. Yeah, that's Bruce. (laughs) That's Bruce. But Mm -hmm. someone tell him leeches are out, unless he is actually doing PRP. It's about snail mucin, not leeches. Snail mucin and slugging and all sorts of things. Yum. Mm. Delicious. I don't get the leeches. I'm obsessed with it. I want to know more about it. I don't get it, though. Yeah, they're interesting, right? Because they're supposed to take out the bad blood, etc. You know, medically, Mm -hmm. they were often used medically. And it's funny because I think about like... On burn victims. Yeah. Burn victims, aren't they? Hmm. Yeah, that's right. And I'm like, boy, your skin is fine. Settle down. You know, like, Roos is probably one of those motherfuckers that has too many eyelashes, you know. So you ever meet a man that has so many eyelashes and you're like, why the fuck do you need those eyelashes? Give them to me. Yes. Mm-hmm. Bullshit. I feel that way. Fucking all bullshit. the time. Yeah. But I don't know. You'd think leeches are a negative connotation, right? But it almost is like detox. Like it's representing detoxification. Again, I want to be pure. Have to mm. be pure. Frank Reynolds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then like I think culturally, and I was trying to think of like what George would have read or the things about leeches that would have been big for him. And I'm sure other fantasy and other like medieval-esque pieces maybe, but like Stand By Me in 1986 has a very different leech symbolism, mm. right? It's like youth and like losing youth, which might not be too dissimilar for what Bruce is having here. He's like, I don't want to be past Catalan Stark age. Uh, <laughs> but, and I'll link this for you all. It's very interesting. There is a memoir slash essay by Rebecca Giggs called The Leech Barometer. And it has a bunch of really interesting like, leech information but it's written through a little bit of prose and a little bit of just like narrative and inner dialogue and she wrote to be consumed by leeches is to be vital to be animate though it is also to be reminded you are something else's prey and therefore porous and mortal and i thought that was like that really struck me and made me think about ruth's a little bit of his like yeah and stannis yeah (laughs) true like that they constantly, you know, they want immortality, but also they want to be seen as vulnerable at the same time. Like, you know that they love being Little Spoon. Mm-hmm. He loves, Bruce no, Bolton, he just wants We're- his cute, chubby little wife to spoon him. That's so yeah. real. Yes. He just wants to fuck her and get spooned. That's all he wants in life. Just imagine, though. So Bruce, at the end of the, his leeches are done, whoever's taking them to get rid of them. And they're standing there just talking. And they're like, I don't know what it is about Bruce Bolton. And they throw the leeches on uh. the fire. <laughs> Ooh, oh. <laughs> wait i love that i love that idea oh my god uh, oh that's funny 
There's one other interesting thing I want you to know from this memoir essay. Leeches are hermaphrodites throughout their life. So they're born with two sets of nascent genitalia and their sex organs mature sequentially. So first they're male, then they transition into being female. So they transition and switch and the female consumes the inward male. Yeah, so Rebecca Giggs writes that perhaps this process is less like overpowering, less like predation, a gentle subsidence, a giving away. It's really cool, really creepy. I love it. Like really interesting. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm like, that's like really, really I didn't know that about really the leech. Cool. I'm like, damn, you live. Those leeches live life mm-hmm. more than Bruce Bolton does. Do they, how do they procreate? Carefully. Do they? Yeah. I don't know, actually. Yeah, what does uh, Rebecca Giggs have I'm to like, say in her very beautiful <laughs> prose about the leeches? It was actually the I first entry on Google, by the way, as soon as I started typing how do oh, leeches, okay. it literally was like reproduce <laughs> because they have both male and female sex organs like the earthworms. They have a clitellum which is only obvious during the reproductive period. So they have reproductive periods where they intertwine their bodies and each deposits a sperm into the other's clitellar area, and they all can get prego. Hmm. Like leopard slugs. Have I have I ever have I made you sit down and watch leopard slugs reproduce yet? Because it's beautiful. I have a feeling it will come for me in time, as they do for one another. <laughs> in time. In time. <laughs> If you were my best friend, you would kill people and watch Slugs Mate. Uh, you know what? My two lawyers would also tell me not to admit to this one either, but more for social purposes, not for legal reasons. Uh, this is an intense book. Yeah, agreed. The leech reminds you that you are poor and mortal. It's a good, you, uh, you gotta read this later, I'm telling you. It's very interesting. I, I might. I think I really might. It's one that, it, the article itself actually made me think of you, because you always said be interesting as articles. It's one for the books, for sure. That and Wishbone. <laughs> Wishbone. Bruce tells Arya leeches purge the bad blood, and that she will help him from now on and be his cupbearer, serving him in table and in chamber. Yeah, Bruce is here. He's very excited about this past weekend and the 1989 bad blood. Taylor's version. Mm-hmm. Arya knows better now than to talk back, even though she does say your lord at one point. And then Bruce commands someone to make her presentable to make sure that she can pour the wine without spilling, which actually that's probably someone should probably train Arya to do that. And then tells Lord Hote to change the banners on the gatehouse. And you know, Roos just comes in and he's like a fantastic examination of what power looks like, right? Because I think that's really what Arya wanted by having that last name. Roos with just a word, a name, can make anything happen, including this HGTV Heron Hall special. He comes in and he's like, we're redecorating. We're redoing the whole place. And that's all Arya wanted, just to feel a little bit of power through Jacket. Yeah, isn't it the beginning of this chapter, maybe last chapter, where she thinks about how she wants the banners, the Stark banners, to be rolled down? And I'm like, ooh, she does, but maybe not like this. Yeah. Mm, mm. Not like that. Not like that. <laughs> Not, yeah. It needs to be designed differently. No. <laughs> the whole place needs to be redesigned, and by redesign, I mean be Winterfell. Yeah, and then all the indentured servitude maybe go away. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, the last passage in this chapter, I shall read it for you now. You are welcome. <laughs> you are very welcome, Eliana. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> She's like, I won't kill someone for you, <laughs> but... Myself. Four brave companions climbed to the ramparts and hauled down the Lion of Lannister and Sir Amory's own black manticore. 
In their place, they raised the flayed man of the Dreadfort and the direwolf of Stark. And that evening, a page named Nan poured wine for Roos Bolton and Vargo Hote as they stood on the gallery, watching the brave companions parade Sir Amory Lorch naked through the middle ward. Sir Amory pleaded and sobbed and clung to the legs of his captors until Rorge pulled him loose and Shagwell kicked him down into the bear pit. The bear is all in black, Arya thought, like Yorin. She filled Roose Bolton's cup and did not spill a drop. Boom. Arya Stark Aww. out of the frying pan and into the fire. Arya Stark has entered the game of thrones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love that last line. The reminder of Yorin. She feels like she got a little justice or revenge for him. Yeah, it's good, actually, because even though this plan would have transpired without her, maybe not this exact plan, but this would have happened without her, she still gets that, I did this for Yorin at the end of the day. Yeah, she was still able to affect mm. that little bit. And that's a little piece of power. Yeah, And the, exactly. the more she stays here, the more she realizes, I want that. Agency. She gets an elevated position. She gets to be in the room where it happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A player, a pawned player mm-hmm. at the table. Well, B-Word, I know that you're, you're an Arya fan, and obviously we, we talked about what chapters to do, and you went with this one. What was the biggest reason why you chose this chapter? Yeah. It's more just, it is Arya, it's roots. These are Arya's, it's really her coming into where she is going to go the last time we see her here. I mean, it starts obviously with Tiswick. So yeah, I feel like it's, it's, yeah, it's her start into where we know she's going to go with the faceless men and, you know, her parting with Jack and it's another mentor down number three now, I think. Mm, so I don't true. know. I don't know. I just like it. I don't know. Hmm. I just, she's my girl and I like her. And this is sort of a chapter of her creepy little agency <laughs> fierceness and yeah, finding her way. What do you think? the future holds for Arya Stark? I think that she is going to give mercy to Mother Merciless. That's my big mm-hmm. Arya's plot. I've heard this. Pivotal moment to me. That's what I think she'll end up doing. Yeah. Yeah. Give the gift of mercy. She kind of gotta. I mean. Her mama. Yeah. It's better she, she does, does it. I think so. I think so too. That's so interesting. I, I had Because like, okay, so we've talked about that, but like when you said it, something just clicked for me with Arya being like, Jackin, would you kill your own dad? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Ooh. That and then yeah. uh, then mirroring to, like, could you bring back a man with no head? No, but you know what I can yeah. bring back? Ha ha ha. Yeah. Murder mommy. mommy. <laughs> that does have a head. Murder milf. <laughs> yeah. Barely. <laughs> Uh, she's like i don't want to make a harry potter reference but she's kind of like nearly headless yeah on and off that thing is uh yeah yeah man yeah just gross makes me also think of like beetlejuice with the hole in the neck and the anyways for the the guy smoking the cigarette and the hole in his neck in the waiting room it always makes me think of Mm -hmm. that too yeah yeah well beyond that uh beth Thank you for joining us. Would you please tell everyone at home where to find you and uh, where they should be listening to Kissed by Fire? Yeah, well, first, thanks for having me. You can find uh, Kissed by Fire. We're on Patreon, Kissed by Fire on Patreon.com. We are a Kiss podcast on Twitter. I think it's just Kissed Pod on Blue Sky, but Steph just set that up like two days ago, so don't quote me on it. But I'm sure you can find us that way for the podcast. For me, I'm B underscore Peterson 85 on Twitter because I didn't know that handles meant something there. But on Blue Sky, I am just B word. 
uh, at Bjorn at Blue Sky. That's me. Oh, and the podcast, you can find it on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and the usual places we are working on getting onto YouTube. Mm. Um, and as you, as you guys mentioned earlier, we have we have cool merch from our cool Sanri design. So feel free to check that out and see what we're see what we look like in cartoon form. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you look like. They don't get to. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. Because I'm a total In mystery. Live online. action for the live action adaptation. Of Girls Gone Ganon. <laughs> oh, I was thinking. Oh, of Sam- oh yeah, like our joke. Yeah, mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah. The, 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 you know, you guys have a podcast based off of the artwork of you. Mm-hmm. Oh, of Beautiful. course. Yes. Ah. Uh, well, thank you again for joining us. We will be back with oh my god we'll be back with aria 10 in clash next week and then from there oh my god we will keep on moving and get into storm of swords it's all happening i feel like it's going a lot faster than we thought it would uh i feel like when we started we were like this is going to be 80 years from now but i feel like next spring you guys will be ready for a new pov and we're running out of povs which is awesome so keep speculating on who is next. I know. Eliana knows. You do not. I do not. Yeah. Both of you to say Eliana knows. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. Uh, I'm not sure. I thought I knew. And then I, I looked at today and I was like, maybe I don't know. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I was like, I thought I knew. So, with that, if you want to keep up with when those next few episodes come out, be sure to follow us on social media. You can find us at Girls Gone Canon, that's C A N O N, over on Twitter or on Blue Sky with the other, like, you know, fun Blue Sky things that come afterwards with the little dots that I'm not going to say for you. And of course, you can send us an email at girlsgonecanon at gmail.com and maybe we'll read it aloud. And also be sure to check out our latest episode with shiloh carroll for a giveaway yes giveaway giveaway giveaway. (laughs) instructions in the episode (laughs) of how to enter and eligibility and all that jazz and of course a thank you to our patrons who will tell you where to find us and where to stream us in a couple short moments here they sponsor all of our episodes again wouldn't happen without them head over to patreon.com slash girls gone canon if you would like to support and you know sponsor this podcast as well we appreciate it here's a word from our patrons you can catch girls gone canon on any of the following streamers on podbean itunes google play stitcher acast spotify overcast apple podcast iHeartRadio, audible and amazon podcasts you can also join us on Patreon, where if you join the Thunder tier above, you have access to a Discord and monthly happy hours and things like that. And by joining the Discord, you get access to a bunch of great channels, including but not limited to memes and shit posting channel, Fashion Hour. There are multiple channels for historic materials, a Song of Ice and Fire. There's a Pets channel, which I think is probably the most important channel of all. Respectful Thirsting because there's a channel for that. Come by, join the community. It's a lot of fun and you won't regret it. Ah, what a time to be alive with Arya Stark. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. As always, I have been one of your hosts, Chloe. And I have been another one of your hosts, Eliana. And yes, thank you, of course, again, to our other other host, 
this week. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I was your other, other, other host today. <laughs> B-word. <laughs> B-word. Now she's going off. She's going to go like wipe her hands over her face. Oh my God. And then yes. She's going to change, change and then leave the episode. <laughs> yeah. And I melt away. <gasps> Valar Margulis. <Yes>. <laughs> She's gonna hand us a little coin. Um, I hope it's a big coin. (laughs) That's what she said. (laughs) Uh, Uh. Goodbye, folks. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.